One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Junk Time AFL Podcast for early February 2022. We're coming to you from Wayne Jackson Studios. My name is Michael Chamberlain and joining me is a man who is feeling really concerned about AFL CEO Gil McLaughlin. It is Adam Rosenbachs. G'day Michael, g'day Junk Timers. Happy New Year to everyone. I know it's February but it's our first show for the year and it is... It's a shame to start it on such a sad note, but mm. I'm concerned about yeah. our El Presidente, the yep. big dog, the, the the great man, Gil McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. I never thought I'd say this, but I think he's doing it tough, Michael. Yep. Things aren't going well for Gil, the man who um, owns the AFL and the polo field like no one has ever seen <laughs> before in our great game. Mm. Now, we spoke last year of the house that Gil was trying to sell. He had a... Um, a beautiful house in Paran that he and his lovely partner Laura were trying to um, were trying to flip. Basically, I don't know what they paid for it originally, but they were trying to look at making a little bit of coin out of this. And as we pointed out, I mean, how could they not get the eleven million dollars are after when the joint has two ovens? <laughs> not one, not one. Like I don't know how much value you'd expect a second oven to add to your place, uh-huh. but it's got to be at least five or six mil, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I know in the place, I mean, obviously, it goes without saying, we are doing very well. Uh, mm, mm. And I recently actually installed a third oven at my, uh, oh, my home. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Because yeah. you just never quite know when you're going to have a drop-in. Like, uh, you know... Well, my, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, like, you might have, you know, 18 senior coaches at the AFL just pop over on a Friday night unannounced. No, that can happen. That and, and you, and I know you love this, when you make a turducken, you like each bird in a separate oven before you ram them all inside each other. For sure, for sure. And um, I mean, a little mm. quick uh, tip for all the turducken fans out there. <laughs> they taste even better when the birds are still alive when you're shoving them oh, in there. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. You're, you're like the doctor out of the human caterpillar. <laughs> So Gil and uh, Laura, fuck, they could only get for their house $8.8 million. Oh, God. If you can believe that. Oh, God. Well, no wonder he's leaving then. Obviously, he wants to kind of a high-paid gig to kind of be able to kind of, you know, basically, he's on Struggle Street right now. Well, that's why I think he hasn't uh, quit straight away. Like, you know, the, the grand final last yeah, the grand final last year was supposed to be his swan song. Mm. It all kind of went to shit just before that because mm. they bought another house in Paran as well. So they're staying in the neighbourhood. They love that uh, sort of inner sort of inner sort of city area um, in Melbourne, and they bought another double story house. So this guy fucking there's probably ovens upstairs and downstairs, <laughs> as far as I know, with Gil. <laughs> For thirteen and a half mil, now they are five million dollars in the hole oh, shit. from the outset. Oh shit! So do you feel like we might have a bit of a kind of Donald Trump kind of thing right now going on with Gil, where he's a bit oh, like, like I think he's point. meant to leave during the game, the round in Adelaide next year, the gather round. Okay. Do you feel like we have a bit of a Donald Trump kind of thing where Gil's kind of like trying to hold on to that position to kind of get a bit, yeah, a bit yeah. of the extra scratch, so he can afford yeah. this luxurious lifestyle that he is living. Bear in mind, beneath us. But he is yep. living, and so he's kind of hanging around for that AFL paycheck going kind of like, oh, yeah, 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 maybe April. Yeah, look, but, you know, like, I mean, heck, you know, something might happen. Mm. I might, You might need a steady hand who's been in the yeah. top job for a while. So what about maybe 2035 if I yeah, just Yeah, what about down? I hang around until we get a second Tasmanian team? How about we establish mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. And then I'm there for that to oversee that because, you know, it's fraught with danger. And if I'm there for that, then, you know, I'll happily do it. I'm a good bloke. I have to hang around. I'm hearing a lot of talk that Wellington Mm. wants a team and I need to be on top (laughs) of that issue. Yeah, he needs to be there. I I was concerned when he tried, when he urged the Collingwood cheer squad to storm AFL house. Yeah, yeah. 
which I imagine has been considered by the Collingwood Cheers Squad a number of times. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, that would have been done. So, so it's tough for Gil. He's not doing it easy, and our thoughts go out to he and his family. As and they're probably, you know what? They've probably moved in to this new thirteen and a half million dollar mansion. But I'm sure it's like scarcely f- uh, furnished. They've probably only got like they've got a fat back TV in there. Like they're not doing it easy. Oh no, it'd be horrible. They have like one Porsche in the below ground garage. Like it'd be yuck. Yeah. Like I mean, you, I mean, you and I couldn't live in those conditions, hey. I actually, yeah, like I, you, I went to a French restaurant the other day. Actually, sat next to Gil. Actually, hot topic. Sat oh next yeah, to Gil. Did yeah, you? and and he could, you sat on that for a little bit. Well, no, he could afford the fra, but he couldn't afford the gras. And I was like, mate, oh, do you need fuck. do you need a few dollars, mate? Man, when you're when you're in foie territory without <laughs> gras, you are you're doing it tough. Like some people say that when you stay at the um. They're like the, the cabana house at their place. It's next to the pool. They're, you're better off staying at a Formula One next to the airport. <laughs> That's how low rent it has become for Gil and his partner. So a shout out to them. We hope that you land on your feet very soon. Yep. And, that, you know, you know, because the neighbours would be worried as well that, you know, they've moved in, they've gone, well, they're in a nice house, but now all of a sudden it's become the shittest house on the best street in Paran. Well, that's the thing. Like, they'd be kind of worried about the neighbours kind of like, almost like a bit like kind of the yokels next door. Like, they're going to have kind of yeah. these, you know, yeah. you know, B&S kind of parties in the backyard, which I'm sure is mm. quite limited. It only has like maybe a 50 metre swimming pool. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Like, they'd be looking over the fence going, oh, God, they're drinking, they're drinking Grolsch. Oh, there's better yeah. beer to drink than that. That's disgraceful. Yeah. They probably couldn't even afford to get the pool drained after an orgy. That's how fucking that's how low rent this family has become. And so, so all the best. We Gil. do give we a shout out to Gil. Hey, yeah. uh, man, it's been a while. We actually, I don't think we've actually done a podcast together since the grand final with our friends of the show, Charlie Claus and Dave O'Neill. And then uh, we put out, and you can check the archives. We put out the first ever chat we had with Craig Coombs last year because he wasn't mm. up for doing the uh, draft preview that we do every year. A shout-out to Craig. Everyone give a shout-out to Craig. Um, but we have actually haven't not done a podcast, uh, for one, in the same room for a long time, but B, uh, no, well, for over about four months or so. So wh- what's been going on with your life, man? How you been? You been all right? Uh, you know, I've been very busy just keeping up with everything that's happening in the AFL. You know, that's, that's my life. That's how I live. And what I love is that just because there's no games on doesn't mean that the Superfooty website is not all over everything that happens on a daily basis. And I've got to say, there is a lot going on. Like, you know what I love around this time is when they talk about, you know, your, your scratch matches and your, and your training and who's flying and who's not. Yep. Is that when a player does really well and kicks like six goals in a, in a practice match, they fail to mention how poor the backmen were <laughs> in that particular game. Because you'd be like, yeah, forward kicked eight. And you're like, yeah, on our backman. That's a really bad fucking sign. That's actually a really good point. You never get the kind of the the, 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 the yin to the yang of the fact that, you know, so-and-so kicks eight. But also they have these weird games like where they're playing like six quarters. Yes. Like I remember last year, I think Hawthorne came back from like about a 75-point deficit against Collingwood at a um, practice match. But what they forgot to mention was like the deficit was like in the third quarter. And then they came back in like the sixth quarter after like Collingwood, <laughs> Collingwood had taken like all of their players off the ground. Yeah, when Collingwood's main players had already left the ground and gone home. Essentially, Craig Hawthorne <laughs> staged this amazing comeback. Craig McRae like went to the beach halfway through the third quarter, <laughs> <laughs> and then it came out and I was like, "Fuck, what a comeback!" And then you look at the actual details of the game and you go, "Oh no, that's where where we might be a problem this year." <laughs> The thing I find really interesting that North Melbourne did the other day, this is obviously something that Clarko did, was they had the North Melbourne A side play a North Melbourne B side. So he had his full-strength team that he's probably going to run with in round one play against, you know, probably the guys who are struggling to get there and are probably going to, you know, be the reserves and maybe knocking on the door occasionally. And it was like, you know, 70 points to eight yeah, in, okay. uh, like half time, and you kind of go, "What exactly are you getting out of that?" Like North Melbourne's reserves, you know they're going to be shit. So for their A team to flog them, you go, "Is that good or is that what anyone should do?" Well, that actually is very interesting. You bring that up by the fact we talked to Ben Lomas, friend of the show, comedian Ben Lomas, very funny dude, 
I reckon maybe now third or fourth year of doing the podcast, and he was actually co- yep. he was actually taught by Clarko at Wesley College. Yes, Clarko was yep. the PE teacher, and I'm sure they they flung the they usually fling the PE teacher like another s- subject, which they fuck up entirely. Like, yep, yep. I remember we had social one. studies. Yeah, we had one. We he he got history, and so essentially, like like if you've read like if you looked at chapter five and asked him a question about chapter five, he'd be like. I don't know because I've only read up to chapter three, which is what I'm teaching <laughs> you right now. Like it was literally that. Yeah. But Ben actually made the point that Clarko would kind of, you know, okay, we're doing basketball today, and he would get the best basketball players and have them and coach them against, you know, the second team. And Ben got the feeling like he just wanted to kind of get the idea of how to coach, you know, the good players on the field at that time, you know, which actually so he's kind of brought that brought that culture. To North, so imagine after the practice match, he then goes in and they go, "Okay, guys, we're going to do a bit of history. Uh, the Boer War. <laughs> <laughs> Don't read ahead." So, so World War Two kicked off in 1939. Uh-huh. Don't know how it ended. <laughs> I'll go home and I'll I'll watch a couple of docos and I'll let you know away. tonight. <laughs> yeah. How about you? How was your summer? Uh, I actually I I had like a week off in kind of early jam, I suppose, but I've kind of been working kind of most of the time, so. Um, I actually got to Did work. you go to the MCG in a certain section to watch the Boxing Day test? I actually did not by the fact that I finished some work. Shit. And then it, there was about 10 days between the f- end of that work and Christmas. And so I hung around in Melbourne by the fact I was like, I didn't want to have to pay $700,000 to get a return trip from you know Melbourne to Sydney and back. Um, and then I flew out on Boxing Day and it was chock-a-block. Uh, but, you know, I knew that was going to happen. But I had to get back to Sydney to go into the office on the 27th. And I genuinely thought while waiting for my Jetstar flight. Uh, you're, you, sometimes <laughs> you're doing very well. And other times you're pretty fucking low risk. But I'm doing very well by the fact I'm a, I'm a cheeky little saver. Uh, and uh, and I generally got the feeling that there was a new variant forming in that lounge or that area. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm just looking around going, yeah. oh, we're fucked. Like, we're absolutely fucked. Um, and so then I came back again to Melbourne, I don't know, about two weeks after that. But I got to go to, um, worked on the coverage for New Year's Eve, which was kind of fun. Um, they were nice folk. And um, and it was at the op- the back, at the, kind of at the back of the opera house. And I'd never been to the, um, the fireworks in Sydney before, so I kind of had kind of, you know, primo view of that so that was kind of cool do they do they close the harbour bridge to traffic while the I, fireworks happen because if you're in your car that would be fucking terrifying i'm gonna presume they do and hopefully you don't have your dog in the back seat but, <laughs> <laughs> but i'm gonna presume pretty safely that they do but also okay. it'd be kind of fun if they actually did because i actually did think to myself while i was watching the the thingos the fireworks is that i was like i wonder how much damage they do to the bridge like Surely there's a bit of burnage that goes on, or a bit of paint gets stripped off and stuff like that. But I imagine. But are you are you tipping like structural damage? Are you saying I don't that mean with each with each year that passes, every thirty first of Je- uh, December, that it becomes a weaker structure, and therefore every trip is dicing with death? Well, is that what you're saying? I, I part of that, yeah. I kind of, I mean, a little. I mean, I got a bit of info from the from the um, council of um, city of Sydney, and they said, yeah, maybe don't, uh-huh. maybe don't drive on it for another. <laughs> But I actually felt bad for the people, and I know it's you know it's a spectacular view at night time particularly. Mm. But I felt bad for the people. I could see them up the top doing the climb up the bridge, and I was like, guys, come on, don't. <laughs> yeah, not the time, not the time. I actually uh, so over the summer break was down in Sorrento in Victoria, and was at the yacht club because again, <laughs> I'm doing very well. <laughs> and and that, ran into and, and and who who uh, who was your friend who signed you in to get you in there? Oh, there's no need to be like that. It was it was Mick Malloy, but that's not the point. I'm, I've been there many years in a row, but mm-hmm. ran into friend of the show and Essendon coach Brad Scott. Oh, really? Yeah, gotcha. Yes. So had a quick chat with Scotty, and uh, yeah, he was great. He was very happy to. We gave him a fair bit of shit about the uh, umpire and the uh, Brownlow votes, and he was very happy to not be associated with that any longer. Yeah, sure. That's kind of disappeared a little bit, hasn't it, by the fact that um, I don't know how the machinations of the police force work, um, although mm. I sh- I'm sure they're completely above board and transparent. Um, but that kind of hasn't really kind of moved on at all from um, from when the headlines hit. Hey, no. So I can't even remember if we've done uh, an episode where we talked about that. But it was an umpire who basically told his mates about some really odd 
uh, three votes that came out in a couple of the allegedly, rounds. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. And they uh, went pretty hard <laughs> on the uh, on the old fucking phone account and won themselves a tidy little sum and the AFL went, well, that's fucking... Or, and the betting companies just went, well, that's fucking weird. Yeah, I think... Like, at least... At least with junk bet, we wouldn't fucking say anything. No, we'd actually, like, yeah, no, we'd keep that under our hat. Absolutely. Well, yeah. we'd be we'd go around there and be like, "You give us our fucking money back, Basically. or you end up in prison." Yeah, sure. Like it's like beautiful time of year Allegedly. to be dumped in the Yarra, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I find it interesting as well that um, uh, do you get the feeling now though that Patrick Cripps's Brownlow is tainted? Because I strongly do get that view that there should be an asterisk next to it, his name. I'd say even more so, it's probably more well-deserved because you know that the umpires are so corrupted that for him to end up with that amount of votes... Sure. And they probably they probably uh, reported him in that game when he concussed the Brisbane player. They probably did that because they were like, fuck, we're going to lose a shit ton of money on this. Uh-huh. We need someone else to get the votes in that game. And, you know, I just think... Well done, Patrick Cripps. You've really risen above an exceptionally corrupt system. Yeah, sure. I did find it weird in round three when they gave three votes to Zach Dawson. He hasn't played for a long time. (laughs) I found that very strange. Yeah, and they won a lot of money on that. Hey, but you know what's sick, Adam? We're only about two months out. We're both doing comedy festival shows this year in Melbourne. I know. I wouldn't say it's sick at the moment for me. I am uh, still in the throes of writing said show, but oh, it's going to be a cracker junk time. Is have faith in your old pal Rosie delivering the goods. But that's all part of the process too, man. Like you know, you're writing, you're trying out, you're going to nights, you're going yeah. to gigs, you're trying things out. And you kind of do gigs in front of 300 people, and you kind of go, "Oh, that's actually pretty good." And then you try it out in front of oh, 15 yeah. people, and you kind of lose confidence, and you go, "Oh, bloody blah." But that's like the nature of doing these. Um, stand-up comedy is one of the only professions in the world. Um, I'll, g- I'll give you music, maybe, but really, where you don't know it's good. On, uh, okay, okay, maybe I'm denying all of this, but art form, okay. But I think uh-huh. stand-up comedy is particularly the hardest by the fact you literally have no idea it's funny until you actually perform it. Like, you can build a house and be like, "That's a good house," you know. It's, I mean, Gil McLaughlin yeah. wouldn't live in it, but it's a good house. <laughs> you can yeah, mow yeah. a lawn and you go, "I've mowed that lawn really well." But you generally have no idea until the words come out of your mouth whether um, the uh, stand-up show is actually the stand-up is actually good or or even horribly offensive. Like you might get out there and say a joke and go, "Fuck! I didn't mean that. <laughs> I didn't mean that." <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the, the the worst is when you're like, "Oh, this is a good bit," and then you go out there and you try it and you're like, "Oh." They do not agree with the thoughts that I had at 2.30 in the morning. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So what's your show this year? Where are you going to be at? So anyway, having said all that, we're going to have two cracking shows. It will be a cracker. Uh, I saw you one last year. Let me think. Did I, did I see you? I saw the one the year before. They, they were crackers. And so, like, mate, have a bit of belief. Thanks, it's going to be awesome. Thank you, mate. Uh, my show is called High Functioning Idiots. And so I'm on in the last <laughs> two weeks of the Comedy Festival. You can get your tickets at trybooking.com. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't even know what the dates are yet. I could probably look them up, but it's around Easter. The, so the back March, half or April. the front half of the of the Yeah, I'm doing the last two weeks. So yeah, get gotcha. your tickets, Junk Timers. And you're doing four shows only, is that right? I'm doing four shows only due to my work commitments. And I'm uh, going to be performing a show called Michael Chamberlain's Completely Incomplete History of Australian Rules at the Coopers Inn, 4pm on a Saturday afternoon, and uh, I've actually been fucking really, I mean, a flip side to you, Adam, but my show is stories with jokes, so I don't have to, it's different to a stand-up show where, you know, you have yeah. to think about your story, or like, well, why are you saying this, what jokes are you putting into it? No, your, yours is like, yours is based on history, and then yeah. you do some jokes about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, so I, I head back to You're the... You're like um, an amusing PE teacher. Well, it's kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to split the team, the, the crowd up into A and B. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I kind of delve in. And it's been part of the kind of a, a bit of the junk time kind of journey, I suppose, over the while. I, I'm fascinated by the historical stuff of the world of football. And so I'm talking about from the very first game to everything. I've, they're, they're actually, I've been actually quite surprised by the stuff that I didn't know that I found out. You know, like right. like Tom Wills, who's like, I'll, I'll put it this way, Tom Wills, who invented the game, or is credited with inventing the game, is essentially mm. Australia's version of Forrest Gump. Like, he bobs up in, like, four kind of rather remarkable situations in Australian history. And you go, that is, you, you literally, like, he invented um, he um, invented the game, but then he created Bubba Gump Shrimp, 
and he went to <laughs> Vietnam. But no, yeah. And he sang with the Beatles. No, but it's been a lot of fun to write, write it. But it's a different show to what you were doing, obviously. Okay. It's not so the name of that show and where can we get tickets? Michael Chamberlain's completely incomplete history of Australian rules can be found at Try Booking. Um, but you can also head through the Comedy Festival website, comedyfestival.com.au. And, uh, yeah, Saturday, 4 p.m. So four shows only. Yeah, we'd love to see you there. And we will set up again, and I reckon we'll go with the same um, – let's do the same password if you Code, want, yeah. Michael. Yeah. Uh, low dog, all lowercase. Low dog will get you a little bit of a discount, Junk Timers, because we love you guys coming along and supporting us. Now, Michael, so speaking of huge events, the AFL has announced their gather round in Adelaide. I, we have talked about this in the past, but they have kind of officially mm. put down the fixture and the like now. But I mean, I dig this idea. And we talked about doing a show from the roof, if I remember correctly. Um, mm, absolutely. I, I think we even talked about Gold Coast playing North Melbourne on the roof, if I remember correctly. Yep, yep. But I actually kind of dig this idea. I think, unfortunately, I won't, again, with the work schedule, um, we won't, I won't be able to get out there to kind of go along. But I think that would be, I think that's actually a genuinely fun idea. And we are ignoring the lead right now, Adam, by the fact that there are going to be about gee, 400 AFL players in Adelaide or the surrounding areas oh, at one time. Great point. Yeah, maybe. And including, well, if you include like all the at, like the um, peripheral that go with it, so you've got coaches, you've got trainers, you've got physios, there would have to be about 550, 600 AFL employees in the one spot at the one time. And so what I'm saying to anyone who owns mm. a bar or nightclub, mm. Or strip club in Hindley Street, <laughs> you're about to do very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're thinking about putting a deposit on a house down on Henley Beach or something, now's the time. Get all in. <laughs> if you want to get forget nice inflation. Little, nice little two story in um in Norwood or something like that. Just fucking mm. buy it now because there's going to be a rush from other nightclub owners on Hindley Street to buy that same yep. property in a few weeks, a few months time. Well, also, too, if you get... Okay, so you've got 600 players there and then you've got all the fans coming around from around the country. So, basically, you've got 16 teams worth of fans travelling and say say you get, what, 1,000 from each. There's 16,000 people and there should be more. One, fuck you, Qantas and Virgin, for already bumping up the flights. I haven't had a look, but let's just assume they've already sure done they this. Have, Two... Yeah. Where the fuck is everyone going to stay? That's actually a really good point. That's a very good point. They're going to have to bill it out, people. Like, you're going to... Yeah, a, a bit you're like, staying um, with families. A bit like, what's it called, the, the, the festival when the Pope comes around? It's like World Youth Day or something like that. And it's probably a bad name sure. for the Pope to be connected to that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But, like, um, I remember when Pope, uh, Pope, Pope Benedict, RIP, he came out a few years ago. And mm. I remember friends of my mum's like billeting like people from like Venezuela who from the Hitler came Youth to, oh. um, yeah. to come out and kind of you know it was like a bit of a kind of you know save them some money and um but it was just like the huge influx of people coming for the event. So you're gonna you you are gonna have to do that at in Adelaide you would assume because I just don't think like that they have that volume of um, accommodation available. But then. It's going to be tricky for a lot of our fellow Adelaide listeners by the fact that, um, obviously, out there, shout out to our Adelaide friends, like, you know, this might be an idea, billet people. But then I'm thinking, where are they going to put the pill presses and the grow houses? That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> I, I think, no, I think Adelaide people are um, pretty intuitive with that kind of thing. I reckon they've already thought ahead with that. Mm -hmm. The pill presses are already in motion for when people come over. The grow houses, mate, they're fucking, they've been established for years. They just kept it under wraps. And, you know, all of a sudden, like, you, if you're in Adelaide, just keep an eye on your electricity usage mm -hmm. over the next few months. And if it has, like, quadrupled, don't just put that down to inflation. Just put that down to the house next door that's been completely blacked out for the last four <laughs> months and only has someone coming there with a huge pickup truck yep. with a, a blacked out back every, like, two months or so. Yeah, just, sure. Just Keep an eye on that. There's like a dude with a leather jacket with the sleeves cut off, and he seems to have a lot of <laughs> seems to have a lot of sewn on patches onto that jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're not metal bands. But they had um, some alternative names that kind of went around for uh, for gather round. Maybe you can go through. You might have own ideas of yourselves. I don't really know. Well, there was a couple that we pitched to him, but let's go through the ones that the AFL claim 
were in the running. Well, actually, Gil made the statement. I'm trying to find the statement now, but he made a point that they they were trying to think of a name, and he said along the lines of something along the lines of usually my staff get it right. You know, that oh here we go. I've got the best team in the world, certainly in any form of sport, and they get most things right. However, all of their suggestions are terrible around this name. So Gil kind of you know shit. He's kind of chipping out. As he kind of leaves the office. In well, he's throwing them under the bus, hasn't he? He's going, you guys are fucking terrible. But gather you're around. Probably all, you're probably all having sex with each other too much to think about a fucking decent <laughs> name. So, you know, what are you people doing? I've got to get out of here. This is a sinking ship. I'm gone. <laughs> um, I, uh, I actually, when I heard gather around, I didn't think much of it. And that was one of those kind of things where I kind of eventually kind of said it out loud or a friend said it. And I was one of those moments yeah. where I was like, I get it now. Like gather around, like yeah. I was but like, it's oh. fucking, it's not, it's not good. Like of everything that they've done, you know, it's up there with AFLX. In the, that's a shit name. What do they have in the NRL? It's like Magic, Magic Weekend, Magic Ground. Yeah, Magic they, Ground. yeah, Magic Ground. They play all up in um, uh, Brisbane. Yeah. Okay, so we had um, United Round, which sounds like a beer company ad. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. AFL Roadshow. I don't know, that, feel, that sounds like you're displaying a film around the country or something. Well, just a, a bit too antique roadshow. You know, get your own ideas. Yeah, sure. Footy Fiesta? To me, that sounds racist. <laughs> 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 um, here we go. The Big Show. That was one of the, the ones put forward. Now, that that's uh, Glenn Maxwell's nickname, isn't it? Glenn Maxwell, the, cr- the cricketer, cricket player. Isn't he... Isn't he the big show? Isn't that his nickname? Something like that? Well, Adam, I think you'll find that. I think you'll find the big show is actually... I'm the big show! A WWE wrestler, Paul White, seven foot tall, I think even bigger than that, in WCW. So, Family Round? (laughs) Family Round was another Uh, one they suggested. Connection Round? I mean, again, lame. Maybe actually... Roving Round? Maybe actually... Give us on the money. Like his stuff is actually shit. Roving round. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That sounds. I don't know. That sounds like a production company roving banners. Yeah. Um, premiers round. Well, it's round. It's not round. It's like April or something, isn't it? So it's not like. Yeah. Well, you're not it's stupid. I, I don't mind this one actually. I find it kind of humorous, but I don't think it should be used, and they haven't used it. Yep. But the grape escape. It's not the worst. It's not the worst, but it's for a different thing. It's like if you're going to Adelaide on a wine trip. Yeah, I imagine the Grape Escape. I imagine Barossa has a lot of that kind of terminology going around. Grape Escape, kind of, you know, hey, the Grape Escape, come and do three nights at the hotel, and then you you can get shit faced on wine. Um, Then there's some quite shit ones like hang around. Like, okay, people take a hanger, we get it. Then like round five with an exclamation point. Round five. (laughs) You're like, okay, that's fucking. If you don't say without that inflection, it doesn't work. AFL mega. What? Well, that sounds Uh, like that sounds more like an AFL souvenir shop that you kind of find it. You know, next to the AFL kitchen and bar. You know, you go into AFL mega and you get all your jumpers, you get shorts, you get posters. Celebration round, which is okay. All in round. Now, if you're gonna have all in round. Then you have fucking all-ins. That's a good One point. One in, all-in. That's actually not right? a bad point. If this round in particular, okay, we yes. take it to a different city or town every yeah. year, and yep. then all-in means all-in. Like, there are no okay, rules. Okay, so in this particular round, the umpires are not allowed to report anyone. There's no trial by video. The it's um- fucking on. The umpires aren't allowed on the ground. Like, they're yeah. not there. Yeah. Like, they get a week yeah. off. All in round is where it's like, okay, for years we've been telling you not to punch, not to kick, not to shiv, not to... to No spitting, no biting. No barrels allowed on the field. But now, (laughs) this round, oh, it's on. It's all in round. (laughs) It's fucking all in. Okay, Gil, you fucking missed an opportunity there. So the other ones, just quickly, were magnetic round. Yeah, I get it. It's drawing people to the state, but, you know, magnets, two magnets against each other, push against it. Uh, destination round, it's a bit shit. Fanatics round, that just sounds like those fuckwits at the tennis. Oh, we don't yeah, want them. fuck them. Yeah, and festival of footy. Which I reckon, I reckon that might have been the second choice, festival of footy. Yeah, I reckon that would have been pretty close. Yeah, that would have nearly got there. But gather round, I don't mind. And, I, I, you know, the month later when I was like, oh, yeah, I get it. Like um, so, 
What what about so they they they've, they chose this late last year, but what about in honour of the great man who played for South Melbourne and Footscray, who only recently just passed away, and our you know condolences with his family. What about Barry Round? Barry Round. I actually actually was thinking of Barry Round just before when you were talking mm. about this, and I was like, well, you know, he's the Brownlow medalist, legend of the game, uh, yep. at the forefront of the South Melbourne move to the Sydney Swans. But the AFL, I think, have missed the one. Like, we obviously, you know, we're fucking think tank on our own. And, you know, as soon as we heard that the AFL were going to be having every game in Adelaide, we suggested our idea and they knocked it back. Our idea of uh, just calling it Reacher. So the old Reach Around. <laughs> now, who isn't going to Adelaide for a fucking Reach Around? You know, we've all done it. We've all been there in Adelaide for the old Reacher. And I'm just saying... Missed opportunity, AFL. Then you go beyond football. Everyone's coming to the game, you know, and it's just, yeah. And if, Why don't they listen to us anymore, Michael? Well, if you want to see that kind of classy comedy, head to Comedy Festival, <laughs> <laughs> Adam's show. Yeah. Now, let's move on. We've got a couple of uh, interesting rookies to talk about that have kind of made headlines. Well, one particularly, the other one that I, is something that I picked up on. So there's a new player for, the, uh, for GWS called Jason Gilby. Mm-hmm. And as a part of the introduction, so this is probably – so they've got the new coach, Adam Kingsley, and he came from Richmond. And at Richmond, they had that thing where you bring three – pieces of information about you to the uh, to the playing group and that way they get to know a little bit more about you rather than just seeing you as a footballer. They see you as a person, um, as a whole human being rather than just someone who can kick a goal from the boundary on his right boot in the left pocket, not for a um, right footer. Anyway, Jason Gilby reju- um, revealed that three years ago he replaced drinking water mm. solely with milk. Mm. Now, what's your take on that? Uh, well, I feel like water uh, would be a rather large par- part of milk in the first place. I couldn't give you the figures right now. But okay. uh, I feel like you're getting a kind of decent hydration. A, it would be magnificent for your bones. Like, this dude's not getting osteo when he's older at all. Yeah, um, okay. And I think it's actually not too bad. And also probably bulks him out a bit more as well. A lot of dairy. Well, let me talk about how, how much of a milk drinker are you? Uh, pretty rare. So just, I mean, I, probably my only intake would be in coffee and even that's not real milk. So yeah, sure. I, I don't drink real milk anymore. But I just think the idea, okay, I can get it. If you're at home, you're next to a fridge, you've got a cold glass of milk. But if you're on the field and, you know, you're in the middle of a game, it's fucking, you know, round two, it's still hot up at, uh, you know... Um, uh, the beanstalk. What's this? Stadium? The beanstalk. And then the, the trainer comes out and you just fucking... Squirts of milk into your <laughs> mouth and then just all over your head like you've looked like you've copped a fucking bakaki. <laughs> I mean, yeah. While, while yeah, you after think, you've kicked the goal, I think you're right. It's probably one of those drinks where you kind of really need to aim the water bottle really well. I think. You can't <laughs> be going to. Yeah, you don't want it uh, leaking out of your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like players, like kind of, also don't want to kind of tackle you by the fact you know you be it's a thirty five year old thirty five degree day and you like starts oh. to kind of look like you got yogurt all around your face like, like oh, well exactly too way. like if you if you spill it all over your jumper in uh, the, early in the first quarter by the end of the game you fucking stink yeah, mate you're like, fermenting yeah like sour milk is not anything you want to be around. <laughs> But to show, like the players, the other players, and particularly the dietitian was like, "Yeah, we need to talk about this." And the other players were like, "How do you only drink milk for three years without anything else?" But you know what I like is that people have gotten on board with it, and particularly Shane Mummy Mumford yep. has jumped on board. And you know the players love you, and this shows the depth of thinking that Shane Mumford has. And it's great that he hasn't been lost to footy since his retirement. But he has nicknamed. Gilby, now get this. It's a bit of left field. It's probably complex. It's probably going to be. We're probably going to have to work around three different layers to try and get to this. Why this nickname came to came to Gilby? Yeah. So Jason Gilby around GWS is now known as Milky. Wait a second. Wait a second. Yeah. No. No. I know. I know. This I know. A, this mummy. is a slow burn, mummy. It's a bit like when I heard gather around like a month later and finally got it. Like yeah. I'm going to have to work through a few few layers for this. Like so easy. Is he like maybe lactose intolerant or something? Or? No, no, no. Okay. He just loves milk. Does he he loves drinking milk. And it's not even like he's particularly pale. He just, mummy heard that 
and was like just sitting on it. Just went, hang on a second. Wait a hang second. Hang on. Wait a second. I'm still getting my head around it. Like, does he look a bit like the Milky Bar kid or something? Like, is that why he's called no, Milky? No, I don't think. Like, if I know, if I know Mummy <laughs> and, and the videos I've seen, uh, I believe, <laughs> I know him pretty well. Oh, I mean, I just think yeah, it's I mean, I mean, Liney. You know, Liney. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I just think it's it could be because he drinks a lot of milk. But, you know, who knows what goes on in the machinations of Shane Mumford's brain. That's funny. I, uh, uh, I mean, you might as well call him Carson, really. I mean, he's got as much to do with milk as the actual milk. Yeah, or jugs. Oh, actually, that would actually fit pretty well with footy, with footy club, I reckon. Yeah. 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 Calling him jugs. That's yeah. their level. Yeah. So we do have a lot of, um, you know, players who, who are new to the, to the system and, you know, the, the, the AFL loves introducing us to them and obviously um, the footy reporting always likes to talk about how they're going and how they're fitting into the system because we do seem to see now, you know, these days, rookies playing first, second round. Like remember back in the day when Michael Tuck played 600 games in Hawthorne's VFL team yep. before he got you know, into the, um, oh, sorry, v- VFL reserves team before he got into the actual first. But now they're sort of rock stars from the beginning. And there was one that they had an interview with. So Elijah Tatas, I believe his name is, from Essendon, their first round draft pick. I think he went number four or five. And they kind of were talking to him about, you know, what was your first month like? How's it been? And he was just talking about the day that they spent at the AFL, where they run them through you know, gambling and how to hide your bets and you know, don't load up <laughs> how to, don't load up on one particular spot sure. bet during the brown like, things like which, that. Which umpire to contact, about where to get yeah. <laughs> yeah, all that kind of stuff, you know, concussion, vilification, all those kind of things. But here's an interesting thing that Elijah had to say uh, when told about illicit drugs and they were saying, you know, try and make the right decisions in certain environments, whether you're out with teammates or your friends. But he says presenters came in and did a PowerPoint surrounding how long certain drugs last in your system. Here we go. Now, why are they telling the players, like, here we go, they go, mate, cocaine, 48 hours, wink, wink, get it in, because it gets out, son, you won't get tested, stay away from the club, two days, shave your underarm hair, have no pubes, eh, you'll be fine. Don't take it, but if you do these things, hey... You'd be right. Look, I've heard about a little thing called meth stays in your system <laughs> three days, but hint, hint, seven-day break, you'll be fine. <laughs> I just found that a really interesting thing to say how long they stay in your system. And I think because marijuana is one of the worst, isn't it? I think that, that hangs around for system. ages, doesn't it? Wasn't it like back in the day when they brought in like the drug testing booze buses and like, you know, truckies would have like a joint like three months ago and they come back positive? Oh, well, Michael. I haven't said that. <laughs> the truckies Michael. had the, well, in brackets, three months ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Michael, I, I don't think truckies are staying awake and getting from Brisbane to Melbourne in 12 hours <laughs> with a joint. But wasn't there a thing for a while, like, I think, wasn't it, like, people were eating cherry ripes and being tested positive and stuff like that? Like, the weird quirks of the system. Oh, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, because I had a mate. He had, he had a real problem. He was like having like forty-eight cherry rubs a day, and we had to <laughs> we had to intervene. Yeah. Say, mate, you need yeah. help. It can happen. Hey, um, you, you saw a tweet about Waverley Park that was sent to you. Yes. So this got sent to uh, the Junk Time account. So if you've got anything that kind of captures your imagination, Junk Times, and you think, oh, I think the boys would like this one, please do send it in. You you know all our um. Uh, social media handles is uh, Junk Time AFL Pod at uh, Twitter, Facebook, and the Gram. Now, this came from Josh, who sent us this, and it's from an AFL record that I believe. Let me have a quick look. From 1987, I think it might have been. Okay, let's look at the front cover. If they've got the front cover, no, they don't. Let me see. That was the. I'm going to look at the fine print up the top. My eyes aren't very good. Can you see the fine print up the top? It says the date. It says big ideas that didn't quite work. So it's an article about things that they had, you know, like, um, uh, oh, actually, no, it must be a modern, it must be a modern one uh, because it's got AFLX listed. So ah, it gotcha. was a, a, um, a footy record from this year, but it also talked about things that didn't work in the AFL, one of them being AFLX. The other one was talking about VFL Park mm. and Waverley. Now, I didn't know this, but for a time, so Waverley was built in 1970 out in the east of Melbourne, basically when no one kind of lived there, but now is like one of the biggest 
sections of Melbourne. I suppose so, yeah. Pop, I think they actually found when Hawthorne moved there or kind of were doing, working out research of why to go there, it was like consider the population centre of Melbourne. Yeah, okay. So it said that uh, VFL Park, which, you know, when you and I were going there, had a capacity of 77,000 people, which it didn't really reach all that often. There were maybe a few finals, obviously the 91 grand final mm-hmm. and probably the 91 final series. They probably did. Yep. Pretty close to that, maybe the 87 one where, um, was, and 88 where Melbourne made their run. Yeah, it was kind of game by game. You know, I mean, I remember going to the 87 yes. prelims, saw Jim Sines run through the mark, pointed, shouted, that's 15. The umpire heard me, gave the 15. But that was chock a yep. block. And I remember actually before that game, my mum said to me, like, kind of as like, I don't know, not a warning, but just like, there are going to be heaps of Melbourne fans at this game before. Because we, you and I both would have been to Melbourne games before that, where it's like, no Melbourne fans at all. But obviously they came yeah. out of the woodwalk for that final series and you go, What the fuck? How many, where where were these where were these people? I've never seen these people. This many yeah, people and, Melbourne and fans so in the game. If you did go to a game like that, the, the one thing about Waverley was that there was no public transport out mm. there. So basically you were in the car park and you all had to wait. So for say a five PM finish you would get home probably around eight o'clock and that's not exaggerating it would take you at least an hour and a half two hours to get out of that shithole of a car park i don't know if you did this but i remember going with a mate and his dad like i don't know early 90s or something for just like a pre-season game like anset cup or something and yeah with about two minutes to go the dad was like cool let's go and and this was kind of their routine like he would get his kid and i was with them and like literally sprinted to the car and you could see all these <laughs> all these other people like hundreds of people sprinting to their yeah. car to get out of there before they um before the true traffic jam occurred so it, it had its faults but the afl or the vfl at the time um they had bigger they had ambitions they had uh, bigger things that they thought waverly could do and they proposed that uh they wanted to expand it to 157,000 capacity with seats for 126,000 fans. So 31,000 standing rooms, uh, what do you call it, seats or tickets, and 126,000 seats. Yep. Now, is this brand new news to you? Have you ever heard of this I didn't before? know that they'd ever... I'd never, I'd never heard that they wanted to make it 157,000. I mean, the fact that even into the 90s, when it was still being used, it still had those shitty black and white screens like 30 years or 20 years after colour TV came but out. It was had a, the but, worst screens in the world. But it wasn't even black and white. It was kind of, If I remember correctly, it was kind of sepia, wasn't it? Like, it wasn't like a rusty it was kind weird. of look. Yeah. Yeah, it was nothing you'd ever seen before. But um, but I remember this. I I know the story, but and I, this not anything coming up in my comedy festival show by the fact that um, but uh, the initial idea for people who've been to Waverley Park, the initial idea for the the Sir Kenneth Luke stand that had, was like three layers, um, yep. three levels. That was meant to be the entire ground. Now I don't know if they ran out of money, they ran out of time, or they were just like, let's just see how we go. But that was initially the idea that it was meant to be that the entire entire way around because at the time, and um, the MCC like had strong control of the MCG. And so therefore the AFL had to kind of play by their rules. And so if they wanted to do anything, they had to get permission gotcha. of the MCC. And so that's why they wanted to build Waverley by the fact they go, it's our own ground. We can do whatever the fuck we want with it. Like even back in the day, like, um, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not plugging here, but like um, Princess Park was meant to be the home arena for the um, Olympics um, by the fact the MCC didn't want to fuck with the cricket. So they were going to, redevelop Princess Park to make that 100,000 people. Um, yeah, right. So, but yeah, but I remember many, many days, because Hawthorne used to play at Waverley all the time before it became, became yes. our, home, our home ground. Like, we used to go there all the time. Like, cause I, they kind of did like, kind of almost like the match of the round there, didn't they? Yeah, on the Saturday afternoon. Mm. But it, it goes on to prove that the AFL are very good at finding really fucking empty, vacuous areas to put a ground like they did with VFL Park and also the Docklands. Uh, they go, where do people never, ever fucking go? Actually, Let's put a footy ground that's there. That's actually a really good point, actually. And then also on top of that, like, not that I was very familiar with the Docklands before 2000, but, to, but to, for them to be able to secure that much land, I suppose. Like, I, I, I don't think I really went down to the docks a great deal <laughs> in my early 20s. Like, did, oh, I, I went down all? there to pick up packages and stuff <laughs> like that. But no, I think because it was attached, it was like behind uh, like the Spencer Street rail yards, yeah. which is now Southern Cross. So I, I don't, th- 
I can't even tell you what was there. I think it might have been a part of the docks. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Also, like, where have the docks gone then? Like, surely they still need to bring ships into some part of Melbourne or Victoria. Like, yes, I think they're. F- I think they're closer to Footscray, but that's for our other podcast, the Docks of Melbourne. So. <laughs> 31,000 standing seats. Like, that is fucking... How big are the urinals at the back of that fucking stand? I mean, like, it's, yeah, it's ambitious. 157,000 people in the one area in one time with no functioning public transport. Yes, I mean, they had buses. They did have buses. They always promised, it's like Melbourne Airport, they always promised to build a train and they seem to be doing that yep. now. But they always promised about building a train out to Waverley. Um, but they never actually did that Uh but I, on reflection, like, from where I grew up, like, Waverley was actually c- kind of a convenient place to get to. Like, if yep. a, a, it was a 20-minute drive, and then B, it was, like, probably a train and a bus. So it was actually not too horrible. But then I think about my life in the northern suburbs of Melbourne, and I'm like, I'm so fucking glad we don't play Waverley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would so literally much be packed And, lunch. you know, as much as, as, much as uh, Dockland Stadium, Stadium is maligned, it's... Very accessible by tram and train. It's as central as you can kind of get. Like it's a stadium in the CBD, so it's like, well, if you live out, if you live way out, well, that's on you because like we've we've put it in the, <laughs> we've, we've we've put it in the middle of Melbourne, essentially. You know what yeah. I mean? And you know what? It, it's actually pretty good that Melbourne has two amazing stadiums in this basically the CBD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not many. There's not many. Uh, you know, places around the world, except for like you know uh, Madison Square Garden, but that's not. That's not a football stadium. But, you know, whenever I ever look at um, NFL teams, they're always out in the burbs. They're never close to the city. Oh, yeah, like, for sure. Uh, when, I, when I went to see the New England Patriots play in Boston, sorry. Boston. In fucking Boston, near the fucking cheers, blah. Um, that was like a 40-minute train ride out of Boston. Yeah, sure. The Dallas, Tex- uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Don't play in Dallas. Like, they play in Arlington. Like, they're outside yeah. the town. Yeah, well, the New York Giants and Jets play in the fucking Jersey. Jersey, yeah. Um, but uh, then on, on top of that, though, you've got the MCG, and then you just, you know, walk over a footbridge. It should be named after the mm. jump time. But then you're at yeah. the tennis centre, and then you go over the road, you've got Gosh's Paddock, you've got, you know, Collingwood, you've got Melbourne, you've got Amy Park. Like, it's actually probably yeah. one of the largest. Outside, like, an Olympics kind of, like, homebushy kind of, it's all in the one spot. Yeah, yeah. It's probably the largest yeah. kind of, you know, outside of that in, in the world, I would imagine, and I'll fight anyone who says otherwise. I hope that's part of your show. I hope that's the closing rant <laughs> on your show. Hey, uh, footballers in real life? Yes, hit me. Hey, from Tommy. G'day, fellas. I was working at the working the other day at Bangalore. Uh, I work at a gas station for background. I was restocking the Gatorade fridge. I got to be tempted to just chuck a couple of them. <laughs> <laughs> the Gatorade fridge when a shiny new Halva pulled up. For those who don't know, Halva is Great Wall's luxury. Haval. 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 Oh, mate. sorry. Yeah, Come sorry. On. I've read that Get actually completely wrong. Haval. I've never heard of Haval. I've seen a lot of them on the roads lately, and I did wonder where they were from, and there's your reason. I'm not a car guy, so I don't actually really know car names. When a tall fellow with ears like the FA Cup got out to fill his tank, none other than Harris Andrews from the Brisbane Lions, we made uncomfortably long eye contact (laughs) and didn't share a word as he was eager to avoid me after the staring match. You know what I love, though? And that I I reckon footballers would get that a lot. You know when you're just like, how do I know that motherfucker? Yeah, I reckon. I reckon. Um, I even I remember my mum. She walked past Malcolm Blight, who I this like years ago when he got the Adelaide job, and um, yep. he was just like doing a bit of gardening or taking some out something in the garden, and she just wandered by and she's like, "Oh, hi, Malcolm. How are you?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, hi." <laughs> and she was like, oh, "Fuck, I don't know you." <laughs> I don't know you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from Brendan, minding my own business, tucking into a lovely espresso hotcake from espresso hotcake. That sounds alright. Uh, yeah. From Prospect Espresso in Camberwell, when a man clutching a fresh box of premium Vietnamese cuisine from Rolled, immersed in a phone conversation pertaining to his WhatsApp group, entered the cafe for a quick takeaway coffee. It was none other than 1999 Knight Premiership player Ben Dixon. Ah, oh, Dicko. Fourth and legend. Hopefully the WhatsApp chat isn't planning a coup against the newly elected Hawks president. Andrew Gowers is taking the top job. What what are you as a uh, pathetic Hawthorne supporter? What are your thoughts on Andrew Gower's taking over? Quickly sum it up for me. You I happy? Was, I was happy with that. I think there's a bit of a kind of, uh, uh, I mean, that, yeah, there's an investigation that is obviously happening. Yes, uh, yes. And uh, I think it's a kind of clear the decks, of Jeff, and let's just kind of 
uh, let that uh, start again. Start again. Yes. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, from Chris, got a football in real life for you fellas. On my way to the tennis centre for a work function in brackets. I'm doing very well for myself. And I, as I'm walking along Brunton Avenue, I see a guy that looks like Pav ahead of me. As they get closer, I'm like, oh, that is that is Pav. Then a guy walking in front of me stops him and goes, g'day Pav, I'm Craig McRae. <laughs> Confirming it was indeed Pav. The two silver foxes made small talk and I kept walking, not interrupting their day. Now, isn't that interesting that Craig McRae, three-time premiership player and current Collingwood coach, feels the need, this is what, uh, he's such a lovely guy, feels the need to introduce himself to Matthew Pavlich. Do you think if you walk down the street and you walk past Craig McRae, would you recognise him? I'm not saying that in a bad way, like, you know, like he's not liked or unpopular, but like, I'm just saying like, he seems to have kind of like a generic mug on him. Look, uh, because I, I met him at Front Bar and, you know, had a good uh, yeah. chat with him, I'd say, I'd say now I would, but prior to him coaching Collingwood, I probably would be like, I know that face, but I don't know him. So yeah. probably not a year ago, no. I think I'd be iffy. It's uh, it's like uh, actually just before I was thinking about, you know, who were the new coaches that came in over the break. And so, the, yeah, there's obviously Brad mm. Scott, there's Adam Kingsley. And I was like... I think if I walked past Adam Kingsley in the street, I wouldn't know who that might be. But also, that would happen for the same for a lot of um, uh, the Australian cricket team. You reckon if you walked past David Warner, you wouldn't recognise him? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> fucking paying out on you. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because, I, I mean, you've you got to spit on someone. But I remember we <laughs> when we went to the, the rooms after the Giants-Hawthorne game about three, four years ago, and yep. Mitch Stark was there, and you were talking to Mitch. And I, I came was, up and I was buddies. like, yeah, you're tight. And I went up and, you know, you introduced me to Mitch and I was like, I, I, I had the vibe. I was like, I think you're Mitch Stark, but I'm not entirely sure you're Mitch Stark. Yeah, okay. Hmm. Well, on you that be, note. Be kinder to my buddies, mate. <laughs> well, on that note of, of me very disappointing Adam in his story, we're going to hit the road. We're Junk Time Alpha Pod at Gmail, Twitter, Facebook and the Gram. Don't forget to check out our comedy festival shows at trybooking.com. Mine is called High Functioning Idiot Michael. Michael Chamberlain's completely incomplete history of Australian rules. Password low dog for discounts at trybooking. Go Blues. Go. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.